0: Welcome to The Pesky Report, episode 271. We are brought to you by Beyond the Monster. My name is Jake T. O'Donnell. I am joined by Hunter. What's going on, Hunter?
1: How's it going?
0: Good. And we're also joined by Derek, a.k.a. the Meatball Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Derek had to rush to join our episode because he was busy. Uh, he got uh, stuck uh, making meatballs, being, being a good grandson. Uh, But 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 uh, thanks, Derek, uh, for for joining. I wish that you could share the meatballs with us. It's it's, uh, I hope they're delicious.
2: The funny thing is I already ate. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm not waiting till 730 to eat. Um, No, I'm making my own food.
0: Well, you know, either way, I hope I hope that they're scrumptious for whoever eats them. Um, As somebody who is a part Italian, I I can appreciate it. Um, So. It is another week of miners talk. We are uh, nearing the midway point of the season, and we have a lot to get to. So, uh, no more. Let's uh, finish up the meatball talk and let's go right into Salem. We're going to start with Salem this week, and uh, we're going to work our way uh, from low to high in the miners. So, let's talk about uh, a guy who made his Salem debut his his low A debut on Sunday. We're recording this Monday. You'll hear this on Wednesday. Um, Jordani Monegro. So, uh, uh, a couple things about him. He was on, he was signed in 2020 by the Red Sox for, uh, to a $35,000 bonus, not, not a huge bonus, not a high bonus guy by any means. He spent some time in the DSL and also in the FCL. Um, he started, he was kind of a little bit of a surprise. It was a possibility that he could have started this year in Salem. He was held back and uh he started the year in in the in the complex league made the first start for the for for the FCL Red Sox there only made a couple starts showed so much and got called up to Salem and again he made his debut on uh on Sunday and went 5 innings 2 hits and uh 11 strikeouts um i don't have i don't have the walk number in front of me none he had no, no walks, walks zero walks so no no runs no walks two hits um 11 11 uh, strikeouts he had 17 whiffs in the game he threw 50 strikes in 74 pitches there are a lot of people were saying <laughs> that they thought it was one of the best uh debuts at low a that they had seen um so this is a guy that was i don't think was on a lot of people's radars coming into this year especially considering the fact he didn't start the year in salem but we can add this guy to the list of pitching prospects in the system who are making a name for themselves this year. And again, it's just one start, but man, was it a hell of a start? So Hunter um, I'm going to turn it over to you. What, what was your, what was your take on seeing, uh, seeing Monegro in this?
1: Uh, start? Yeah, we talked about 11 strikeouts, no walks, something that I think also needs to be pointed out. He had one uh, at bat the whole game that went to three balls. Only, only one time that he even get to a, a three ball count, which is, stupid that that doesn't sound like a real stat but um he threw four pitches on the day uh changeup, which I didn't really get to see slider which I didn't really get to see a fastball that was mid-90s most of the time he was hitting 97 a couple times though like it was the uh, pretty obvious that the announcers made a point to, to say you know uh, that fastball was 97 uh and then one of the most disgusting curveballs I think I've ever seen from someone at, at single A. Uh, just the first, I think it was the first four strikeouts of the day were all looking and they were all him just plopping that that curveball just right into the middle of the strike zone or right on the corner of the strike zone after the, you know. Um, and then basically the rest of his strikeouts were him burying the curveball in the dirt and hitters just taking terrible swings at it there was one that it wasn't even a strikeout. It was a two, it was for the second strike of an at bat and, uh, Giovanni heater and Tyler Katz are the, uh, the Salem announcers. They're, they're great. They're both still in college. I think they, they have a a nice future. Um, they were talking about how it didn't even look like the hitter tried to swing. Like he just kinda, he was so confused that he just gave like a half hearted, whatever, you know, I I'm already committed to swinging. I'm just going to lazily put my bat out there and, and look bad. Um, and in that, I also think that Enders Solira deserves a quick shout-out because he did a great job, the catcher, of keeping the, the curveballs in front of him and helping Monegro get those strikeouts. Uh, that couldn't have been an easy job. But just those, those two pitches alone, a, a high 90s fastball and a curveball that was usually in the, in the mid to high 70s that had devastating break on it, um, that right there is an impressive mix for a 24-year-old pitching prospect to have, let alone someone Monegro's age. Uh, I believe he's still 20. Um, yeah,
0: he's, yeah, he's 20.
1: yeah, uh, so he's already got two pitches that now, again, we haven't seen much of him. This is the first time I've ever seen him, but if I'm grading him off that one game, he's already got two pitches that I would say have plus potential, uh, and then two pitches that he can, he can work on that. He clearly, uh, can, can put into the mix just to give a little something extra, uh, but I, I think the thing that really stuck out though was that that command seventy four pitches in five innings is really solid, uh, fifty strikes is fantastic. Like you said, seventeen whiffs. The fact that he only he didn't walk anyone, only one three strike count or I'm sorry three ball count. Uh, that's insanely impressive because I feel like in the the lower levels of the minors, that's always one of the things to say they got to work on their command. And yes, it's one game, but that's all we have to go off of right now. Uh, so just there. Uh, you, you said how some people were saying it's the best uh, single A debut they've ever seen. I will gladly I'll, I'll gladly say that. I also believe that he uh, I, I can't think of a better way to start your your minor league career. Uh, just that that's a start that immediately has a lot of people ready and excited to see his next game. I already have people tweeting at me saying like, oh, man, him and Luis Perales will be fun to watch. Uh, someone compared him to Brian Bayo, which let's not, you know, let's not try to overhype people. Uh, You know, I think that that's a a hefty thing to put on him already, but I understand the excitement because seeing something like that from someone's first start, the, the constant curveballs, getting hitters to look bad. The fact that he was throwing 97 consistently just that that was a top tier start, top tier debut. Uh,
0: So uh, I I think that um, if you're, if you're uh, looking at like what separated him, I think that that curveball is a huge deal and a huge separator. Like, yeah, like I don't know how many 18, 19, 20-year-old kids have seen a lot of guys throwing the sort of like six, like top bottom curve ball. I just don't think that that's like, that's not something you see a lot anymore. Those guys, those guys throw pitches that have more of a sort of vertical break to it as opposed to a more of an, more of an up and down, uh, you know, more of a, or guys are trying to throw more of a horizontal break pitch as opposed to the sort of more over the top vertical kind of drop from top to bottom. So um, that's different. So Derek, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Monegro start and kind of where, where he maybe slots in the sort of pitcher we've seen in Salem so far this year?
2: I think it's very interesting because we've seen a lot of pitchers in the low minors recently, have, like, a very good month, month and a half, even two-month stretch recently, so between Salem, between Greenville, like, so a lot of guys pitching very, very well, and now you're adding Negro into this mix where it's like, okay, we have a ton of guys who are pitching really well in the low-miners, it's great to see, and it goes back to the kind of a, you know, iron sharpens iron, and, you know, that kind of thing, and more guys pitching well, hopefully it makes everyone, one guy pitches well, hopefully it makes the second guy pitch well, then the third, and they all kind of grow together. And I've been saying it since we started the show, you know, having guys come up through the minor leagues together is great, and it helps, especially, too, when you're seeing these guys have success at the same level together, and now you add in a guy like your Donnie Monegro, who is a little bit older at 20 than, you know, some guys who maybe are making their debut in low A. Uh, but at the same time, really good performance, you can't complain at all. And even in his FCL performances, he had three starts in the FCL. He went fifteen innings. Um, only gave up two runs and he had twenty strikeouts to four walks. So overall, like just solid. And I think the big thing that I know Hunter mentioned it is just like in terms of the control, but like not walking guys, the strikeout to walk rate. And because you don't see it a lot with young guys. We've seen we talked about it this year with guys like Luis Perales, Wilcoming Gonzalez, and even more guys. If he if he goes a few more starts and we get a little bit of a bigger sample size and he's still not really walking guys and he's still able to strike guys out, I think that's really going to show. Like, all right, this guy's got that command part of his, you know, got the command part of his game already down at a young age, which is really really nice to see. And. A lot of guys see their stuff tick up when they get later in the minors. If he's a guy, stuff ticks up. If he already has command, I mean, that's only going to help. But that's a little bit down the road. But as of right now, just seeing a guy coming in with that command, especially it's only one start. But if it stays over a bigger sample size, I think that's something that's really going to be interesting to see and how it, and how he continues to develop as a pitcher
0: absolutely and so we yeah we've seen some 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 great uh pitching performances in Salem this year like we mentioned um so we're gonna kind of go around and and uh talk about uh individual guys that we thought were interesting this this week in Salem so I'll I'll kick it back over to you Hunter uh for somebody else
1: uh yeah mentioned him in passing
0: uh but
1: I want to uh talk about Luis Perales because he uh had another great start five and two-thirds innings only gave up two runs on three hits uh one walk, six strikeouts. That's something that I think has been big for him lately. I think the strikeouts have been ticking up and the walks have been going down, um, which at the beginning of the year, that was a, a serious issue for him, uh, on the year now in, in, uh, 40, 43 and a third innings, he's got 55 strikeouts and he's only got 22 walks again, 22 walks in, in 43 and a third innings. Isn't like the most fantastic number, but based on where he was at the start of the year, the year, that's really good, especially for someone his age. Um, and he only really had one mistake in the game. He gave up a two run homer. Outside of that, it was, he wasn't getting hit hard. Um, it was just one bad pitch. Uh, and he's now officially down to a sub four ERA on the season. He's got a, a 395, uh, 217 batting average against 132 whip. Uh, so that's, he's, he's not only has he been pitching so much better, he's, he's getting those strikeouts, but the numbers are really reflecting that. And now if someone is, is, just looking at the stats, looks at the box score, they can see the the obvious progression that he's shown this year. And uh, obviously with Monegro there, I think it's nice. They have this like uh, uh, one-two combo. They have Elmer Rodriguez-Cruz too. He hasn't pitched in the last two weeks though. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I don't know if they just don't want to overwork him or if he's got a lingering a lingering injury issue or something. Um, but Paralas has something that we've talked about since last year is uh, that's been talked about since last year, I should say is his raw stuff is just so disgusting. He's got such a good uh, combination of pitches. And it was kind of like if paralysis can get the command together, if he can start going deeper in games, which now uh, I believe this is his third straight start of at least five innings. I think he went five, then six then five and two thirds. Uh, so that's great to see. He's starting to get deeper into games and at the higher, at the single a level, you're, you're not really going to see many people go more than six innings anyway, just because these are young guys. You're not trying to overwork them. Uh, so get getting constant consistent five, six innings out of someone is awesome. Um, but we've, we've talked about how good his raw potential is. And now it seems like he's starting to put that together. I think he has one of the best fastballs in the system uh, already. And that's terrifying because it's more than likely only going to get better. Um, and He's someone that I think has a chance to make a couple starts in high A by the end of the year, kind of like what they did with Wickelman Gonzalez before him. Uh, So I I honestly don't know how much it would have mattered performance-wise. I think as long as he was starting to get stretched out and pitch deeper into games, I think they still would have wanted to give him that shot in high A at the end of the year, just kind of to move him along a little bit. But I think now we're seeing, we are seeing that progression. We're starting to see him dominate games. And now it's kind of like, okay, we might've seen him in, in high a for three starts at the end of the year. Now it's, are we going to see him for two months in high a at the end of the year? Cause if he keeps this up for another three, four starts, uh, you might start to wonder like, okay, he's now had, you know, uh, a, a decent amount of innings at the level. Do the Red Sox want to challenge him? Cause if, cause if this trend continues in four starts, that ERA is going to be sitting in the low threes at this point. So, uh, I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. He's been on a dominant run. The high strikeouts and the and the low walk rate lately has been fantastic. Um, and he's he's he was probably considered their best raw pitching prospect in the system, like the one that had the potential to be great. There was a lot of like good pitching prospects, but it was like, oh, this guy's ceiling is a four starter. This guy's ceiling is a mid rotation. This guy a back end or or a, uh, maybe turns into a bullpen arm. I think paralysis was that really like hit or miss, like, Oh, you know, there's so much that he has to improve on so much. He has to work on, but he has that potential of being an ACE. And I think that he's taking all the right steps towards, towards uh, that next level of progression. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes the next few starts.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, uh, last five starts for him, you know, yeah, 34 strikeouts and five walks. Just incredible. And I, I can't imagine that he's going to stick uh, in Salem all year if he continues to pitch like that. He's pitchers when they're successful. They need to be challenged. They need to move up. So hopefully that's what will happen. Um, I'll go next. And I'm actually going to bring up somebody that I don't know how much we've actually talked about him yet this year. It's a guy who's in the bullpen for Salem. And I'm going to talk about Caleb Bolden, um, who has flashed good stuff out of the bullpen this year. So but he has a 366 ERA on the season. It's okay. It's okay. Um, he has 51 strikeouts in 16 walks in 32 innings so far this year. And his last three outings he has in six, he's gone six and a third. So he's gone at least two innings, each of his last three outings, six and a third innings, 15 strikeouts in two walks in his last three, in his last three outings. So this is a guy to watch. Um, in case you're not really aware of Caleb Bolden, he was drafted last year by the Red Sox in the seventh round. Um, He was at, he was, he played at TCU and he only signed for $7,500. So he was a senior sign. And, you know, you're going to see this as we get to the draft, you know, uh, in in just under two weeks here, that a lot of times teams will take guys who are seniors or who are high up, uh, who are, who are maybe a little bit older, maybe less of a, less of a ceiling or less of a, uh, less, less projection just to try to save money. So we only got a $7,500 bonus to sign with the Red Sox. Um, But, and part of the reason why he ended up um, being available to the Red Sox at that point and staying as a se- going through a senior year was because he um, he had Tommy John surgery while he was at TCU. Um, you know he throws around ninety four. He has a slider as well. So interesting bullpen arm, unheralded guy, but just somebody to keep an eye on, especially if you can can continue to keep up those strikeout walk numbers since he's in Salem. Um, and if there's an opportunity, especially considering his age. Um, I would think there's probably a pretty good chance that he moves up to Greenville if he can can uh, continue to to pitch yeah. at that level. And just adding to the list of of really solid uh, bullpen arms or just arms in general that we've seen take steps forward this year in the Red Sox system. I think Caleb Bolden, not a guy that you're gonna hear a lot about again because he's a he's a bullpen arm in Low A, but somebody to just keep an eye on yeah. um, as we go forward here. And I, I
1: think it was in his last outing, he had like six straight strikeouts at one point in the game. Yeah. So he came in and just wasn't letting yeah. anyone even touch him.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's almost like a Nathan Landry situation earlier in the year where it's like, okay, maybe it's time for this guy to move up, but it's it's good to see no matter what. Yeah. So Derek, what do you uh, what do you got for for high, for a low A for Salem?
2: I have the best option available. Uh, <laughs> it might be a little um, might might be a little obvious. Um, do it. <laughs> If you know um alan castro
0: (laughs) so i had just before you talk about this i have to say because because derek we weren't positive you were going to make it for this episode so hunter and i were talking before and i was like i didn't even write anything in my notes about salem or for for anything in my notes about alan castro because (laughs) i figured that derek was going to take was going to was going to bring him up so you are you uh you always play the hits derek we appreciate (sighs)
2: yes you gotta love the classics but I I think with Alan Castro he had the week-long uh triple uh if that's what you want to call it he had four hits this week and they were a single double triple and a home run so he had the week-long cycle he went four for 11 this week uh three strikeouts to two walks he's got a pretty good strikeout to walk rate to this year um which is the thing that I mean you definitely can't complain about 49 strikeouts this year to 41 walks um And overall, over the course of this year, he's got a 747 OPS, but I think the big thing is that 366 on-base percentage. Like, he's a guy... I know we saw it, like, a little bit with, like, Roman Anthony, who's obviously much more higher profile, and he was able to draw his walks in Salem. Um, So maybe overshadow a little bit Alan Casho and his ability that he's been drawing walks this year, but he's been drawing a lot of walks this year. It's kind of been going a little bit under the radar at times just because of all the other names that have been in Salem, like Miguel Blaze, like Roman Anthony. But now when you look at that Salem roster and you go, who's that top prospect in the outfielder right now? It's probably Alan Castro. And for him, I mean, he's just had a very overall solid season. He had, Like I said, it's like a week-long cycle this week. So overall, he's just been very solid and, you know, now I'm not saying he's going to call it to high a at any point this year, but like, he or, but who knows, right? If he continues to play well, and I feel like he's been playing, uh, he had a little bit of a cold stretch for a couple of weeks, but he's kind of, in the last like, few weeks, he's been very, very good. So, you know, who knows? Maybe by the time the end of the year comes, maybe they go up. Oh, yep. End of the year's here. We'll get a little bit of a uh, couple games in high a before the year's done. Um, but yes, yeah, the Alan Castro fan club is going very, very strong right now. Um, I might even have to make a Twitter page for it. We'll see.
0: I think you should. I want to see it. And yeah, I I think that there might be definitely outfield opportunity for a guy like uh, Alan Castro in Greenville later in the season. So speaking of Greenville, let's take a, let's take a drive uh, down from Virginia to Greenville. um, And we're going to bring up a guy who is coming up a lot, in a lot of conversations that you hear about Red Sox uh, prospects right now. And that of course is Roman Anthony. Um, and Roman Anthony is getting so much buzz and attention. He is now the industry's taking notice in him. He's 95th ranked now on Baseball America's top hundred list. He's we already know he's on ESPN's top fifty. Wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop into the MLB uh pipeline list at some point as well. So this past week, the the overall slash line for uh Anthony wasn't like anything crazy. Wasn't anything crazy. He did hit two more home runs, and just you know, to think about the, the struggles that he had power wise uh, after he, you know, after he came up from uh, what the powers that he had, the struggle that he had with power in Salem uh, to the point to this point in the season before he got called up to Greenville, he's shown a lot of power since he came up to greenville and he in 11 games there it's a small sample obviously but in 11 games he has a 634 slugging percentage um he has a 388 on base he's making play crazy plays in in, in center field all the time people are, are like i said they're really taking notice this guy starting to lift the ball he when he hits the ball it feels like it is off his bat. If he, you know, he hit at least one home run this week where it looked like it was like off his bat and it was over the fence. And like, you know, I don't even know what the exit velocity was. It probably was, you know, we we don't really know what the exit velocities are in, in a ball, but, um, you know, they, they, the Red Sox have access to it. They know how, they know how hard he hit that particular ball. Um, it's amazing to watch. We, I feel like we haven't, the Red Sox haven't had a prospect like this in a while where, where it was just a guy that, um, I wouldn't say he came out of nowhere that's that's wrong to say. He was um the, he got the highest bonus of any guy any uh, Red Sox draftee last year. Um the largest bonus. And was a, was definitely a touted prospect. He he played at a at a very well-known high school in Florida. And so I think that there there is uh if you paid attention to Red Sox prospects and you paid attention to the draft, you know who Remini Anthony he was. I don't know that the rest of the the country and the rest of the baseball world knew that much about him they're knowing they know about him now because again he is seems like he might be a legitimate five tool player um and you know a guy hitting from the left side with power who is just going to continue to get better and he's still pretty much i believe the youngest guy in the south atlantic league um so i'll uh i'll go over to um i'll go over to you derek uh to give me your thoughts about uh about anthony and the start of his season so far in greenville and kind of where where you're at with him?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think that not necessarily came out of nowhere is the right way to describe it, but I think he like the way of like almost um, like because there's a difference between a guy coming out of nowhere and having played in the minor leagues before, and a guy who you have high expectations for, but like he even exceeded those expectations, right? I think like you know receive like with where he was picked in the draft with the bonus he got, like yes, there was high expectations. Everyone expected to be a very good prospect for the Red Sox. But I don't think anyone expect him to just get off like straight from the jump as well as he has. He's already in high A. And it's just like, hold on, like, there's might be something even better than what we expected there. And I think that's what's really kind of me making people turn their heads and saying, hold on, what what do the Red Sox have with Roman Anthony? And I think like, this week, he went three for 16. Not the greatest week in terms of batting average. Still hit a double, two homers uh four walks to only five strikeouts. he's a guy like i said with alan cash like he's drawn he'll draw his walks now you know not every walk's created equal but at the same time if you're continuously drawing walks and it's not a rarity that you're drawing walks like you know it's most likely gonna stick and continue to happen i think that's a big thing too um he's not you know yes he's hitting the ball hard but he's not just free swinging and only getting on base because he gets hits right and i think i think that's a big thing um because even if he gets cold, he's still going to get on base because he's going to draw his fair share of walks, uh, which is nice to see. And I think overall, we like, we've seen him make some good plays in the outfield. I, like it's still very early in his tenure as like a prospect, as a prospect, and very early in his tenure in the Red Sox system. Um, you know, like I said, it's only what two and a half months in. You know, since the start of the season, so it's not long. But at the same time, when you look at it, you go. Okay, yes, you cannot complain you cannot complain at all what Roman Anthony's done and you and if you're in the Red Sox or in the Red Sox front office, especially if you're in the draft department, you're going we just hit a home run with this guy. I, I think that's what they have to be looking at. They're looking at him and going, "Yeah, we hit a home run with him." Um, because he's just been that. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah, again, you know, thir- uh, a guy that gets taken in the third round who seems like he may you know and it's 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 early uh obviously really early i think and we're gonna talk uh at near the end of the show a little bit about mikey romero um but you know i i think that there's still belief of of his talent that he was you know kind of more of a more of a a late first you know second round talent that anthony was kind of right there too and the red sox really had to pay up to keep him from going to school um And I think that that you're seeing the results now. And yeah, I think that if you have if uh, your third round pick ends up being that kind of a guy, I wanted to throw out just comparison. It could maybe at some point if we have Ian come back on that that more, look at it gives me vibes of a of a name that will be of, of of Red Sox fans and that's that's one I think we're losing uh, you Yeah the I think that my uh yep we might have lost them. All right, well I'll just I'll just throw
1: out something quick on Roman Anthony then. Uh yeah uh, I think yeah, something ahead. important with him uh that we've touched on a little bit is the the he's got seven extra base hits, four home runs in eleven games in Greenville, uh and he only had one home run in Salem. And I know uh, the big thing with him was he was putting the ball on the ground too much, uh, which hasn't been as much of a problem in in Greenville. Uh, I think it's also important to note that Greenville is a much more hitter-friendly park, uh, but he hasn't hit all of his home runs in Greenville either. It's not like he's just taking advantage of the the much more hitter-friendly Greenville compared to Salem. Um, and I think he's someone that when when he first got drafted, there was like the I think there was like a, he, there was no, no major like, oh, he's, he's not going to be good at this in his game. But it was kind of like a, there's the, the reason he was so highly touted was this raw power, which he's starting to show, which is awesome. But I think the big thing for me with Roman Anthony so far has been that he's kind of performed everywhere. Uh he's he's shown off a decent amount of speed. I don't know how that speed's gonna project with him getting older, filling out. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if he lost a little bit of it. And it's not like he's the fastest guy in the world right now, anyway. Um, but he's he's got more speed, I think, than you might expect from someone that hits the ball the way he do that hits a ball as hard as he does. Um and I think that that's also part of why they might have him leading off. Uh, I think they like the fact that he gets on base at an extremely high clip. He's got a 388 in in Greenville so far, um, and he does have that pop. but also he's going to get on base, and he could be a danger on the base pass. He only has one steal in Greenville. It's kind of hard to steal bases when you're consistently hitting doubles and home runs, but um, it's it's something that I think – will always be at least a part of his game. Uh, I think, you know, he's someone that could hit a lot of home runs, but he could also get you 10 to 15 steals in a season, which it makes such a big difference. Like that doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's kind of like that last thing you're adding to your game, when you're already hitting for for hitting for average, getting on base a lot with an on-base percentage, I should say. uh, And you're hitting for a ton of power. And now all of a sudden you're also like, Oh, And also there's a chance that I'm going to steal a base when I'm on. Like uh, I think that that adds such an extra element to his game and he's shown solid defense so far. He had a really rough first game in Greenville, but outside of that, he's looked good. Uh, He had a a great throw the other day too on a, on a relay. Uh, So I think the fact that he's been more than just this raw power guy and he's giving you all these other things is probably one of the main reasons that, well, well, I think the main reason that people are so hyped about him is those underlying stats with the exit velocity and um, and how his his pitch selection. But I think the fact that he's kind of done a little bit of everything is part of the reason why he's climbing up all these boards so fast. And by the end of this year, I can't imagine there's going to be any top 100 type prospect list that doesn't have him featured somewhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps doing what he's been doing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, not just in the nineties, but if he's, if he's much higher on those lists. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a hundred percent sure I'm 99% sure. I should say he's going to be on everyone's top 100 list and I'm giving him a, a decent chance to creep up decently high on those. We've already seen him in a top 50 with Kylie McDaniel. I wouldn't be surprised if baseball America MLB pipeline, if they kind of start to creep him into that territory too. And, Uh, yeah, just he'll, he'll be a top four Red Sox prospect by the end of the year.
0: Can you, can you guys hear me? Yes. Um, Okay. I think we're just having some, uh, having some, some electrical storms that are passing through the, uh, the, the Northeast. So I think might be part of the issue. so I assume we were still talking about Roman Anthony. What the point I was trying to make when I got sort of cut off before was that he kind of reminds me of, uh, of Ryan Westmoreland. Who was a prospect oh, wow. that I don't that I don't know how much people remember? He was similarly high school, very toolsy, um, high high school high draft pick for the Red Sox. One of the uh, biggest what ifs. One of the biggest what ifs. Again, if you don't know the story about Ryan Westmoreland, unfortunately, he developed what i believe was called a cavernous malformation um in his brain and um he was unable to continue his baseball career but he had a number of i believe more than one surgery um to correct the issue and he has been able to live a normal life and and has and has stayed in the game which i always love to see stories and updates about ryan westmoreland the other thing about him was that he was a rhode island kid and it was like everybody had like there were, there were dreams of like, basically like him and Ellsbury being like the two guys in the outfield for years. So Roman Anthony does kind of re- just in terms of his style as a player reminds me a bit of him. And obviously, hopefully we, we hope for, um, uh, we hope that we see a Roman Anthony in the big leagues, but, um, so, so that was the, cho- that was, uh, our, our Greenville, our Greenville, uh, featured player. So I'm going to throw it back to Derek, uh, to talk about somebody else from, uh, from Greenville.
2: Um, I'm going to just kick this thing off here. Um, The guy who I was very excited for this year, um, he's had a little bit of like a, I wouldn't say a down year, but he's had a little bit of a tougher go at it. And that's Edison Paulino, Um, you know, a guy who, you know, very high expectations from some. I had very high expectations for him this year. Um, I know if you go talk to Ed, he's had high expectations for Paulino heading into this year. Um, and me and Ed have actually talked about Paulino in the past, and we both agreed that he has very that we had very high expectations for him. Uh, hasn't gone off to the best year so so far. It's only so far, right? We're only in June. There's still time to go. But this past week, seven for 20, two doubles, two homers, uh, and he also stole a base. Uh, so maybe it's the start of things turning around for Edinson Paulino, which would be nice to see because, like I said, hasn't had the greatest go of it so far this year in Greenville, and. You know, more playing time is going to start freeing up in Greenville with, you know, guys like Meyer moving up. And, you know, there's going to be more and more playing. And Midroth got moved up. There's more and more playing time just available for Paulino to have. So if he just continues to play well, if he can start turning things around, which, like I said, hopefully this week is the week that turns it around for him and really gets him going. Um, You know, he's a guy who he'll have more than enough playing time to continue his development. And for me, at the very least, I mean, I believe he can play second, third, and short. And there isn't really a like you have yeah, Blaze Jordan, obviously, who can play first and third, but he's even creeping up into a promotion towards double A. So when we talk about infield playing time, Fred and Paulino, it's all there, right? There's a bunch of playing time for him. So hopefully, this week is the start of things turning turning around for him. A very solid bat. Um, he draws his walks. I think is on-base percentage is like 80 points higher than his batting average. So overall, uh, you know, just, I think you're looking for him to turn the table and yeah, seven for 20 week. And hopefully that gets, it gets it rolling.
0: Yeah. Um, interesting year for Paulino um, up and down. And he, it's kind of easy to forget that, you know, he's still right around that sort of 10th best prospect in the, in the system, um, area and it's easy again it's easy to forget about him because there's so many other infielders there's so many other middle infielders there's so many other guys that have overshadowed him but paulino was is a, is a quality prospect there's no question about it um i'm gonna go to the pitching side of things um and talk about wickleman gonzalez again um we've brought this up for the last few weeks the fact that Wickelman had such a terrible month of of uh of april that it's going to be hard for him to kind of uh, bring his overall numbers up on the season, but he's doing everything he can in that regard. So, this past week, he had another great start five innings, four hits, one earned run, but he had 10 strikeouts versus one walk. Um, just an, another truly outstanding outing for him, seeing his stuff really, really tick back up. Uh, since May 1st, he's thrown 43 and two thirds innings. He has a 289 ERA. A 189 batting average against. He's allowed an OPS of 593, and he has nine. He has he has 73 strikeouts versus 21 walks in 43 and two thirds innings. So he is he has j- definitely reestablished himself as one of the sort of top, uh, you know, is one of the top players in the system. Um, one of the top pitchers in the system. We've seen a lot of guys take steps forward this year. I know that it's, it seemed like Gonzalez at first was going to be one of these guys where we're like, man, this is a disappointing year for him or it's a disappointing start. Definitely was a disappointing start, but to just see him like stick with it. And, you know, we talked to Christopher Troy about Bob Kipper, the pitching coach there, who is, who is a, a brilliant pitching mind and a brilliant baseball mind. You know, I'm sure working with guys like Wickelman and, and the other guys that are there and just getting the best out of him and, the Red Sox have a lot of these guys this year that have, that have pitched well, um, you know, and I, I want to go back to something. And I, I so Ed uh, our own Ed hand uh, tweeted something earlier where, where he mentioned like his, you know, top 10, you know, fastest risers or, yeah. or guys that have improved their stock so far this year. And um, you know, he actually listed 11 guys, but seven of them were pitchers, which was incredible. I'm not even sure that Wickleman was on that list, but um, I think that that goes to show you the the pitching development that's happened in the franchise this year and the the correct steps that that are taking to address what was the easily the big most common criticism of the system going into this year, which was the lack of of top end pitching pitching. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what the consensus is about those. And uh, you're already seeing it a little bit with the Eric Long and stuff and. In- talking about guys these are really interesting um and wickleman is a huge part of that so that was that's my guy for uh for green hunter what do you got
1: uh yeah derek talked about uh edinson paulino and his big game this week was he had uh three hits two doubles or two home runs and a double and in that same game brainer bonassi actually also had a, ho- a double and two home runs uh and he's someone switch hitting shortstop he's slashing 323, 379, 526, 10 doubles, a triple, five homers on the season. He's someone that it's just been a frustrating year. Obviously, those are great numbers, but he missed the first few weeks because he had visa issues, so he was late to training camp, and and so he had to take like the extended spring training to to warm up, and then he comes back. He uh, doesn't really have playing time for the first few games because at that point, Greenville was just overloaded with, with people, Mayor and uh, Meyer and me um, uh, were both still in Greenville. So that was, there was just really nowhere for him to go. The, the first few games was uh, him not playing. And then he like pinch ran for someone. Uh, Cause I think me got, got hurt uh, in a game. So he like pinch ran for him and then got one at bat. Uh, and then when they moved up, all of a sudden Banasi was getting consistent playing time and he started dominating. And then he gets a hamstring injury and now he's out for 10 days uh, on the IL and he comes back and again, he's dominating. And it's one of those things where it's, if, if he didn't have that late start because of the visa issue, if he didn't, um, if he didn't have that injury that broke up a year where he's dominating, no matter how broken up it is, uh, I feel like he would be getting so much more attention because those are fantastic numbers. He, he was going into last year he was very much seen as a defensive first prospect he has a ridiculous arm uh he's he's a great shortstop uh, and he can play a solid third base and second base as well i think shortstops is his best position but um he's uh he last year he really started to show great play, plate discipline uh he started midway through the year he started putting the bat on the ball more started getting more i shouldn't say that he wasn't really ever striking out but he started hitting the ball a little bit harder, getting those hits. Then he started showing a decent amount of power. And now this year that power seems to have, have increased even more. Um, so he was this defense first prospect who was still considered a top 20 prospect in the Red Sox system. And now he's all of a sudden this all around prospect who gives you a little bit of everything. He's got five steals on the year. He's been driving in runs. Uh, he's showing a very good amount of power. He's hitting 323, which is ridiculous. Uh, and he's playing great defense at shortstop. So he's someone that I think uh, the Red Sox have a very packed system right now. We talked about how quickly Roman Anthony's rising up, uh, and he's someone that I think can really continue to just fly under the radar, which uh, I think is interesting because I don't think he'll get the kind of attention he should he deserves from from fans or anything. I don't think that there will, and probably a big part of it is that he plays shortstop, and that's where where Marcelo May, Meyer is. So I think that uh, people kind of already have him penciled in as the the future shortstop, which they absolutely should. Um, but I think that that kind of hurts everyone else at that position until they move off of it, because no one's everyone's just kind of like tunnel vision. Uh, but Bonassi's just been out of this world this year, and um, he's only twenty. This was his first taste of high A, and he's had all these roadblocks trying to keep him from BA being able to perform. And he's this twenty-year-old that's just cleaning up the uh, um, the the level right now. So I think that he uh, just kind of needs. And I've beaten this drum before, and he definitely doesn't need more attention from me because I try to give him as much as possible. But I think he's someone that the fans really should uh, pay attention to a little bit more because since midway through last year he's just not stopped hitting he's showing more power and he continues to play defense
2: yeah i do have to ask a question on him real quick yes because i know socks prospect says he was
0: Derek, you put yourself on mute
2: it, it, I'm, I'm muted oh okay it's the it's the I computer's fault I, always go ahead <laughs> yeah keep going i didn't touch anything my my hands are here um but no, it's, uh like, so they said he weighs 140, but they also said he gained 40 pounds. I find it hard to believe he was 100 pounds when he signed. Like, I, 100 pounds <laughs> feels like you're, like, the like literally as thin as a pencil. Yeah, like,
0: when he was, like, in eighth grade, he might have weighed that much, or not even. Probably. <laughs> all right, all right. right.
1: I may or may I'm not wondering. have been in high school and been under 100 pounds, so let's relax on that.
0: <laughs> I may yeah.
1: still have the nurses, uh, the the physical they do every year that said my freshman year, I was... 4, 10, 94 pounds or whatever so let's <laughs> ah! let's relax the thing is
2: he, he's listed at five ten so like I mean he probably wasn't five ten when he signed but like even if he was like five six like a hundred pounds at like five even if we've given him five six which I feel like I feel like it's small like my grandmother's a hundred pounds and she's barely five feet tall and she's skinny as a pencil so <laughs> like how are you 100 pounds? What? so what's the question? Like I <laughs> Was he I think really the question is, how is Brynner 100 pounds? How is he 100 pounds when he signed? Like, how does that make sense? It's
0: possible. I mean, I don't I mean, think that's like, you know, did he have?
2: Like, was he all bones, no muscle? Maybe bones. They have, yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe think, that's yeah. the nickname.
0: Uh,
1: but they have him listed as 164 on minor league baseball. So maybe Sox prospect just didn't update, update. his actual weight, and so maybe he was 124, which is more realistic. But, yeah, that yeah.
2: sounds a <laughs> lot more realistic for the hundred because it says one forty on socks Prospects. I'm looking at it, I'm like, do you mean one forty? <laughs> I'm like adding
0: forty so pounds, so pounds inside. We might have to ask uh we might have to ask Ian for a clarification on that. Um yeah. next time we talk to him. So let's let's uh let's move on. Um I think that uh I kind of lost track here because I got booted off. So we're we're ready to go up to Portland, right? Yep. So so Portland, the big news, the big news, we Rafaela finally getting the call up the promotion from Portland to Worcester after like, I believe almost 600 double a at bats. Um, and so if you read, uh, so he was informed on Sunday, Raffaella, that he's going to be moving up to Worcester. Um, uh, Alex spear wrote about it in the globe. He talked to, he talked to Raphaela. He talked to Chad Epperson, the manager there. And they basically, he basically said that the the Red Sox felt like, um, over the last six weeks, he has that Rafaela had put himself in position to, uh, to earn this, earn this, uh, promotion based off of, the work that he'd been doing at the plate, his swing decisions, which is the the key thing with him, swing decisions, swing decisions, swing decisions. It's the only thing you ever hear about with Raphael anymore because you know how good his defense is. You know how you know, uh, you know what he can do on the base paths this season in in Portland. He ended up at 294, 332, 441, 60 games, six homers. 55 strikeouts to 14 walks. That's kind of to be expected, but he also kind of added this element to this, to his game this year of the stolen bases, 30 for 38 on stolen bases. Um, you know, now it's going to be the, it's the last big test for him in Worcester. Does he have what it takes to succeed against pitchers? He's going to be facing pitchers on a, on a day-to-day basis that probably have MLB experience. It's going to be the single biggest test that he's faced. Um, Can he continue, at the the very least, just continue those good habits that he's shown for the most part this year in Portland against Worcester? And if he can do that, then he is possibly a candidate for a a September call-up this year. It's harder harder now because there's only two added roster spots. Um, The thing that I wanted to kind of throw out there is, and this gets into the Major League Club a little bit, there's obviously a lot of questions. We're about a month from the trade deadline. There's part of me that wonders if part of the motivation for getting Rafaela up to Worcester and hopefully him having some success is. Would he potentially be part of trade discussions? Um, If we're talking about the Red Sox trading him to bring in probably there's no way they would trade Rafaela for a rental type situation, but talking about if the Red Sox had an opportunity to go trade for a pitcher with some or, or, or whatever player it is with, years of term on their deal maybe it's a prospect for prospect kind of situation and we know that that teams want to see guys have success at the higher levels of the minors before they trade them That's part of why there were almost no prospect trades last winter because the specifically the red sox they didn't have guys in triple they would proven it at the triple a level Rafaela is going to get a chance for about a month before you know with the all-star break thrown in there before the trade deadline to show what he can do against triple a pitching and in, in a triple a setting can't help but wonder if if some of the mo- that like I'm not saying that's like the that is the motivation, but I think that getting him up to Worcester, and if he hopefully has success there, will show other teams that he is for real, and that there may be maybe if it's not in the Red Sox, it's somewhere else. Having said all of that, I feel like in even in the short term and in the long term, I feel like Raphael is a fit for this organization. Um, because of, they have a need in center field. They have a need for right-handed bats. They have a need for guys that are fast. Like, even if it's not as an everyday start, we've talked about this all year about his floor and the fact that he is a, he has big league tools. He has a big league carrying tool and that is his defense. He can play all nine positions on the field. I would love to see him behind the plate. I bet he could do it. Um, but anyway, that's, I just, that was a thought that creeped into my brain, uh, for part of the reasoning for it, but. A great, a great run for him in, in Portland. Now he gets to go to Worcester and see what he can do. So, um, Hunter, I'll uh, throw it over to you on Rafaela.
1: Yeah, uh, something that I saw a couple times after he got the after the promotion was announced was um, people talking about the the strikeout to walk rate and how it the the walk rate was actually down this month, and people were trying to use that as like a look things are getting worse. Uh, but it's not always about actually drawing the walk. It's about getting to those counts that that help you get a pitch to hit. And that's literally the last game he played in Double uh, He led off the game with a home run, and it was on a 3-0 count. He worked the count that led to him getting a very hittable pitch, and he hit it out of the ballpark. Um, so, yes, there is that. Obviously, you want to see the walk rate go up, uh, but it's, it's not always – him, him changing that chase rate isn't always going to reflect in the walks. It's going to reflect in him not rolling rolling over to the pitcher, not hitting a, a weak dribbler to third base. It's going to result in him getting a pitch to hit, and he doesn't miss pitches to hit very often. Um, and you mentioned uh, how this could be you know, something where they have him in AAA and now other teams can see him. I think that's interesting because – we don't know yet what the Red Sox are going to do at the trade deadline. They're very much in a situation where in three weeks we could be saying, why would they ever consider trading anyone? Clearly this is, you know, dump off a couple veterans and, and let's get more prospects in the system because they're out of contention, or it could be the other way they could go on a little bit of a run and it's, Hey, let's sell some of these guys and get, let's get a pitcher. Or let's get maybe some catching help. Let's get a middle infielder or something like, and, and let's, go for a World Series because there's something going on here. Uh so that's something that uh it's gonna be hard to uh, evaluate his his um trade his trade value because we don't know where the Red Sox are gonna be in two months. But uh either way or I should say in a month, either way uh I think that this was this was well deserved. It was uh I don't want to say overdue, but kinda it felt like they could have done this a little bit before, and uh, at this point, it was it. Then it seemed like a surprise. It was kind of one of those things where it happened. People were like, "Oh, there it is. That's we've been waiting for that." Um, and he's he's been really good lately. Um, and he th- people could also point out that he only has six home runs this year, which isn't a bad number. But I think with the the home run output last year when he had a twenty twenty season, I think people were kind of expecting a little bit more power, but I think that that's something that's started to come around later. Yeah. Uh, as again, I think it has to do with him working on that chase rate and getting exactly. to those better counts. Yeah. And he's getting better pitches to hit because he's in more favorable counts for him. Uh, so I'm I'm also gonna need you to relax with the trading him because I get very attached to prospects and I don't I need know, this kind of heartbreak. I know. <laughs> I never
0: want to trade prospects. And you're lucky because I mean the Red Sox haven't traded <laughs> have traded barely any prospects the last couple of years. Um, but I do think that we're we're entering into this phase. Yes, we are. Of, yeah. We're entering into this phase of this Red Sox long-term bridge multiple years with an ALCS thrown in the middle of like we're getting to the point now where we are i yeah we have all those
1: we have all that the next you
0: know the next six to 12 months six to 18 months really i would just be stunned if we like it would be really questionable if the red Sox don't make prospect for big league trades honestly and i think so but but i but my again my stance is that Rafaela to me is somebody who should be part of your future one way or another
1: i i do Um, agree i think he's such a perfect fit for the for the organization and i think having uh like you said, he's very versatile, but I think having that kind of defense in the Fenway outfield is, uh, I mean, that, that center field, you have to cover so much ground. And he's insanely fast and he has, he's got great instincts. He's got a fantastic glove. He has an elite arm. Uh, I think it just plays so well there that it would, it would make, it would make more sense personally to me for them to see him as a long-term option. If he can show, he can, he can, produce offensively. Um, but he is someone that really has risen his stock over the last year. Mm-hmm. So he might be someone that they could get a lot for in a trade if that was the route that I hope they don't go.
0: Agreed. Derek, what do you uh what do you have on rafiella
2: and this this promotion? So obviously like in being called up triple A, it's definitely, you know, we we've expected it for a little bit. But I think like his last thirty four games, like he's hit 341 in his last 34 games like and then also to a 384 on base and a 533 selecting for a 917 OPS that doesn't tell you the guy's ready for AAA with the level that his defense is and his base running is i don't know what's going to make a guy ready for AAA if that's not it right um he's just been really good as of late and it's about time i mean in that strip in that span too also 11 doubles five homers right in his last 34 games so i think when you look at that span, it's like, all right, yeah, it's probably time to move him up, and it makes sense that the Red Sox moved him up. Obviously, they could use the help in Worcester right now, anyways. Uh, but he's also ready. Right. And I think that's the big thing. Um, I mean, we we've, we saw both uh, Max Ferguson and Corey Roshier get called up to AAA, mm-hmm. right? Which funny, funny, you know. Very, yeah. The- that was
0: that was. I just, I, I wonder if that was like like Heim, just like playing a joke on everyone just kind of like hey remember we did remember we remember this trade we made like we're gonna call <laughs> yeah. like of all of the guys that they could have picked to come up yes. for, like they like rosier was like so just in case people aren't aware what and we're gonna talk about worcester a little bit like they are very the the, the woostox are very banged up especially yep. the position players it's crazy how many guys are injured they had to call up they brought up cory rosier from from uh the Sea dogs which made sense um rosiers had a really good year but they needed another body too and of all of the guys that they could pick to go up to to move up, just on a temporary basis, I'm sure, from uh, from another area of the system, they pick Max Ferguson to come up from 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 High A Greenville all the way up to the Woosocks right That's after Rozier went. The and-
2: agent they could have signed, like.
0: Right. So, so, but it was just funny. And I think, and I wonder yes. if part of it was that, that, you know, Ferguson is a versatile guy. He can play outfield yeah. and infield. That may have been like the baseball reason for why, but like it was just kind of funny that it's like, okay, the two guys that came over with Hosmer in the trade for Jake Grimm just so happened to be the, and they're at, they're at two different levels and they just so happened to be the guys that are getting called up to Worcester. But anyway. I I, uh, I jumped on you there, Derek. So go ahead.
2: I really hope that was the reason though. Heim did it. I feel I, I want to see Heim just do something like just that and just be like just give a little F you to a team like the Padres who really deserve it. Um, but at the same time, no Rafael. He's he's been really good over the last few weeks, and he's a guy like I know Hunter. Obviously, talking about the defense, and but like if you haven't seen him play defense at all, just stop. Just once you're done listening to this, stop what you're doing. If you Have any plans? Cancel them unless it's like a wedding or your a child being born. Unless it's like one of those two things, stop what you're doing, go put a go put either the WooSox game if it's on now or go to like YouTube find some highlights, watch him play defense. Just trust me. It will be lo- yeah. it will be more than Absolutely. worth your time. It'll be more than worth their time.
0: Yes, he is that good and he's that exciting. And and now that he's up in Worcester, we'll get to see more of him. Um, and he'll be on TV all the time locally. If you live in the New England area, the game's on Nesson, like you'll be able to watch him. So, All right. So I wanted to also min- make sure that we talked about Marcelo Meyer. Um, And I want to open it up in case you guys have additional thoughts. But so again, the, the numbers for Marcelo Meyer, since he got called up and again, he is now, you know, he got, he got uh, called up to, to Portland. Um, In 21 games, the numbers are not crazy. 177 hit uh, average, 258 on base, 418 slug, 676 uh, OPS. Um, But we know how good of a prospect he is. Number one, he's now fifth on the Baseball America list of top 100 prospects. And what's interesting, and then, or sorry, he's sixth on Baseball America's list. He's fifth on MLB Pipeline's list. What's interesting on the MLB Pipeline list is that there's two guys ahead of him on the list who like Yuri Perez is probably like, he may have already graduated. He's right there. And then Ellie de la Cruz, we know he's going to graduate over the sometime in the next month. Yeah. So that means that Meyer is stands to, and I think to me, it's somewhat borderline him and Jackson cheerio Jackson cheerio is not really having that great of a year. I think he's turned it around a little bit recently. Um, and number, they have Jackson holiday number one right now. I'm going to be interested to see where some of the guys from this draft slot in, at the top because I do think it's possible that guys like Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens could end up being a, like top 10 prospects the minute that they are, the minute that they're drafted. Yeah. Um, but, but I would just, but, but anyway, M- Meyer has, 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 earned this. And um, he, we learned on Monday today that he is going to be in the all-star futures game, which is great. Uh, Nick York, we, we found this out. Uh, Meyer, we found out earlier today while we were recording and Derek put this in our chat. Uh, Nick York is also going to be in the futures game and uh, Shane Johan and Ed are once again, another shout out to Ed pointed this out on Twitter. And I think it's the Red Sox and Brewers are the only teams with three players in the, in the futures game. So take that. If you don't think the Red Sox system is good, like seriously. Um, so I'm bringing up Meyer because he had, so he had a really, he had a b- much better week last week, two home runs, um, he hit 235 just for the, for the week, but 348 on base, 647 slug, 647 uh, slug, 995 OPS, just four strikeouts versus, and, uh, and four walks. So the numbers are good. And I just want to point out a tweet. And this is a shout out to James Dunn, who's the managing editor at Sox Prospects. Um, he tweeted this yesterday before the games, basically saying like Myers Babbit luck has been atrocious um in his last nine games this was prior to sunday he had a 120 BABIP, even though he had six extra base hits six walks and six strikeouts and he had it so an 831 ops but a 120 BABIP. so normally like if he even and, and james pointed this out if you have even averages like you're looking at like a 313 400 656 stretch something like that um there's nothing in his profile and this is james saying there's nothing in his profile to suggest he'll continue to be a low BABIP guy the, he is hitting all of the hallmarks all of the things that you want not striking out a ton walking a fair amount getting extra base hits he's just not getting those in between things to fall for hits like they're yeah. just outs so don't be concerned about the numbers he's doing everything that uh that that you want to see and again I have a I have a personal plea to is that Derek is that ed <laughs> <laughs> uh I have a personal plea to uh, to Chad Epperson, the manager of the Portland oh. Sea Dogs, who so p- please play uh, Marcela Meyer on Friday night when I see uh, the, <laughs> when I see the Sea Dogs in uh, in Manchester, New Hampshire. So anyway, no, Derek, you like you put on like a, like we have a stream here, and you put on like a, yes. a, a filter and a, a, of a, a your uh, you turned your screen off, and a picture came up, and I'm pretty sure that was a picture of Ed.
2: Yes, it was. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, I'm just gonna leave. Just gonna leave so that his name there. a couple times.
1: He appears like Beetlejuice.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Beetle, Beetlejuice. I thought it'd be a funny <laughs> surprise for you.
0: you that was a funny way. surprise. <laughs> we missed it. We're gonna try to have Ed on. Hopefully, it'll work in his schedule to talk about some mid season stuff. But anyway, do you guys have? Do you guys have uh, thoughts about Meyer? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, go ahead, Hunter. I just want to say you were talking about the BABIP. I don't know if I've seen someone have more uh, sacrifice flies to the to the very deepest part of a ballpark than, than Marcelo Meyer has had since he's gotten called up to double a, I feel like he has like six of them uh, where it's like two feet away from being a home run. He's also had a home run, get robbed from him. Uh, And another thing I just want to point out uh, is the defense. I think he's, he's a very solid defender. And I think something with him that people might get turned off by is honestly how smooth he is in, in the field. I think sometimes it almost looks like he's not trying and I, I just don't think that's the case. I think that he just, uh, it just, it almost comes easy to him to the point where, I mean, uh, I believe it was Portland, or I, I, I believe it was Tyler Milliken was the one that uh, from uh, the Name Redacted podcast. I believe he was the one that posted the clip, but I, I think it was someone else's. Was uh, it was just Marcelo Meyer? It was like a close up of him fielding a ball, and he was throwing it to first, and he was spitting sunflower seeds, and it legitimately looks like it's batting practice and uh, and it was just like a slow roller. And someone's like, all right, Meyer, throw it the first, like it, it doesn't look like he's trying and it's an in-game thing. And he's just, it's, it seems like it just comes so naturally to him that uh, it doesn't look like he's trying. And I, I promise you he is. I promise you he is.
0: Yeah. He's just unbelievably smooth in everything that he does. I don't know, Derek, do you have any additional Meyer thoughts or.
2: I'll, I'll say this with meyer like the BABIP over the course of his time in double a is 153 which like it's just awful that's um insane. and that's yeah. that's more of a luck thing um but i think the thing when you start looking at his numbers is his strikeout rate is down to 20 percent and in terms of if reference in high a his strikeout percent was his strikeout rate was twenty two and a half percent and then his walk rate is the same ten point four percent in high a ten point ten point six and in double A so it's basically the same right yeah um obviously less games but at the same time like those are two things that you like to see a lot of times when guys move up through the system their strikeout rate will jump and their walk rate will drop that hasn't happened for Meyer so I think that those are two of the things that you look at and go all right he's still having good at bats his babip is atrocious right and recently he's and recently he's had a lot of good games even with the atrocious Babip so th- there aren't any worries for Marcelo Meyer. Um, just think, once he once that Babbitt luck starts to turn around, um, if it starts to like even out, his Babbitt will have to be like four fifty or something just for it to right. even out. <laughs> so he could be due to have some monster weeks in the coming time. So I think that's the thing to look for because we yeah. know how good he is. We don't have any concerns. I don't know if anyone has really concerns besides some people thinking he looks too smooth on defense which i don't know how that that how Doesn't that could be a any problem <laughs> like you're telling me it looks too easy for him well, i <laughs> mean like if he's not making mistakes it should look too easy yeah right the, like,
0: yeah the only concerns about meyer there are a couple of uh, there's specifically fan graphs eric longanagan who's like eh, i don't know if he's going to be a shortstop i don't know if you guys listened to the last Sox prospect spot i think it was the last one ian was basically like no like like and and it's not not being a jerk about it or anything like that but basically they just have a they have a completely different evaluation and this is just what happens like like organizations like the the um the ranking organizations or scouts or teams whatever can both look at the same player and have completely different evaluations of them it's just that is what happens it's not trying to knock anyone or anything like that but But like the Sox prospects guys are like, no, he's a shortstop. Like, like, so, so there's that. And then also the only other things I ever hear about Meyer are he's maybe when he gets to the big leagues, he's probably not going to be like a burner, like a super fast runner or anything like that. And the other thing is just is, is, is those strikeout numbers, which have at times been high in the minor leagues, but I, I, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. So, and I'm not, and I, this is this is somewhat of a straw man. I don't know that people I've, like. I just think if people looked at the at his double A number so far, they'd probably be like the slash line. They'd be like, like this is, it was he not ready? He's ready. He's just been unlucky. It sounds yeah. a little bit like another young guy in the, in the major leagues this year, uh, playing first base. But we don't need to talk about that. That's a whole other ball. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's do a sort of semi quick around the horn on Portland because we already talked about two guys. I'm going to bring up our our boy Christopher Troy, CT. Um, and again, I'm just want to make this really clear. The pesky report bump is real. Okay. He, uh, CT, uh, uh, his first two outings with the Dogs were not very good. And I actually think Hunter, you might've seen one or both of them, uh, in person. Yes. Um, adjusting the new level, whatever. Since then he's been great. So he's had eight outings total. The first two were kind of poor in the last six outings after the first two, he's only given up one earned run. Uh, in the last four outings, he has 10 strikeouts versus one walk. And this past week, he had three three innings pitch, one hit, five strikeouts, one walk. The pesky report bump is real. And I don't want to give anything away. I, we, uh, we're pretty sure that we have another uh, interview lined up pretty soon with someone else who maybe is also going to get the pesky report bump. But anyway, Christopher Troy, uh, outstanding. And, uh, and um, love, seeing, love seeing him uh, be successful. Good guy. Derek, what do you got for someone else in Portland?
2: Uh, I'm going to stick with the guys who are playing in the Futures game. Uh, I'm taking Nick York. Um, eight for 22 this week. Two doubles, a homer. Um, just I, I mean, we talk about Marcelo Meyer, and it's like, oh, we're picking straws if we want to be critical of him. It feels almost that way with Nick York this year. Like, my biggest, like, in terms of, not even gripe with nick york in terms of maybe like y- your biggest thing maybe against him is oh he's not gonna be like a gold Glove second baseman still should be a very solid second baseman though right like i when i look at nick york it's like how many things can i really pair? yeah he might not be the fastest runner he's playing second base he's not playing center field like at the end of the how much is it really gonna matter in terms of if he's not the fastest guy on the field right so I it feels like almost like kind of similar with Meyer and York both of them sharing that middle infield and hopefully in the futures games sharing the middle infield too um you know it, it feels like you know there's, there's only so many things you can nitpick with them overall I mean he's back in top 100 lists he'll probably start climbing those lists very quickly and he's a guy who you probably look at and go yeah you'll probably be in AAA at some point this year maybe it's a cup of coffee at the end of the year um but I think he probably gets at least some time in AAA whether that's one day, a week, a month, two months, however much time it is, he'll at least see some time in AAA. Um, I think it's more likely closer towards the end of the year. Um, but overall, I mean, just been a very, very good year and another really good week.
0: Yeah, and uh, exciting for him to be back into to get into the Futures game. Um, just like, in, the, and this was also really great for York this past week because he had a really, I mentioned this on last week's show, that he had a really bad week the week before so he bounced back um still, you know only drew one walk great to see him continuing to hit and you know again creeping back into lists. what a what a great year for Nick York just uh, yeah for for him just him personally uh and him in his future just this what he's been able to accomplish has been great so uh, Hunter what do you have for uh for Portland uh
1: I just want to before I get to the guy I want to talk about I just want to quickly throw out uh Hunter Dobbins' Got promoted, made his double-A debut this week. Uh, five innings, one run, three hits. Walked three batters, but also struck out five. He was having a ridiculous year in high A. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, in high A. Uh, he was striking out everyone, not walking many. Uh, it was great to see him come up and, and have a good performance. But I, I want to really focus on, uh, we saw David Hamilton in the majors this week. And when he was traded to the Red Sox, he was actually the second prospect he was kind of like the other prospect in the trade uh, because the the main guy was Alex Benellis who was this you know power hitting corner infielder uh, who like it was like the power was real he, he has potential to get on base a lot uh, and in his first year he was like decent he put up some solid numbers in in high a, uh, the batting average really dipped in double a and but he was still hitting homers uh, i think he finished the year with 25 and then this year things were really rough for him uh he was hitting i i believe like 180 uh heading into june and this month he is hit, he's slashing 325 357 725 uh he's up to a 219 274 444 slash line which still isn't spectacular but it's the the fact that he's gone up you know Thirty-nine uh, uh, batting average points in a month is ridiculous. Um, he's up to eleven doubles, one triple, seven homers. He's been hitting a lot of homers lately. Uh, Twenty-four runs driven in, eighteen scored, stolen two bases. That's not a big part of his game, but it's just it's great to see him have consistent success this month. It's not like this was oh he had a hot week and you know we'll see where it goes from here. He's been great all month. And the numbers are starting to creep up, he's starting to hit a lot more home runs, uh, and he's shown that power. His first home run of the year was, uh, uh, it went onto the the football field behind the park, and yeah. it was at like that was a fifteen awesome. yard line or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so he does have that unreal raw power, and it's just good to see. You know, this this left handed hitting corner infielder, which is an issue for him because the Red Sox don't really need much left handed hitting at the moment, and they don't need many corner infielders at the moment so uh he was kind of in a position especially with Blaze Jordan playing so well in high a where you were wondering man if Blaze Jordan gets called up is Benellis going to be the one that really takes that hit because uh Cavadas has has struggled with the batting average too but he has more home runs he's got a, a near 400 on base percentage uh so it was like you know they can since Benellis and uh blaze jordan can both play first and third there might be a way for them to kind of you know rotate them especially with the dh spot but it felt like Benellas was the one that would get kind of uh taken out of uh, out of playing time a lot there and it seems like he's really you know taken to that and he's he's dominated this month uh and it's it's good to see this guy that when he he's he's kind of gotten lapped by david hamilton david hamilton's now that that top prospect from that that trade but uh we're starting to see what the Red Sox liked about Benellis And and uh, he's still got a long way to go, but it's, it's good to see him give them a consistent month and something that he can hopefully build off of.
0: Yeah. And, and just off of that, the last thing I want to talk about with Portland is the sort of the ripple effect on playing time for other guys with Rafaela moving up um, is probably uh, by default, a good thing for a guy like Benellis I would yeah. say, you know, most specifically it's going to help. You know, Phillip Sykes and and Tyler McDonough are probably going to get a lot more time in center field. Um, I don't know if... It kind of depends on how long Corey Rogier is going to be in Worcester. I don't know if that's a long-term thing, but it probably will help him too. Might help Tyler Dearden out a bit. Like, um, it'll help Matthew Lugo out. Um, you know, maybe he ends up playing mostly outfield going forward, and that would open up time at third base for Benellis um, yeah. where it would be kind of like would be like Benellis and and Mydroth mostly playing third base um and you know Benellis filling in at first base also for um with with Cavadas maybe DHing so still a bit of a jumble there for Chad Epperson but um but uh you know Rafaela moving up does help other guys get more, yeah. more opportunities so let's uh let's go up to Worcester um it was a little bit of a weird, a little bit of a strange week for Worcester. Um, and so we're actually going to talk about someone who I don't actually think pitched in Worcester last week. He did not actually pitch in Worcester last week. And that's Brandon Walter, who had been in, in Worcester all year until uh, until last Thursday when he made his Major League debut. He came in in a bit of a tough situation. The Red Sox really needed somebody to give him some innings. And Justin Garza started the game in uh, there didn't it was an opener didn't do very well ended up being charged with three three runs so brandon walter comes in major league debut he had a little bit of a rough start but then he pretty much he cruised through most of the game yeah. he gave up he gave up a home run uh in the middle of the game but um you know he looked like the best version of himself um that he's been and so how does he do how did he do that he threw mostly cutter sinker um mixed in and mixed in changeups and the sweeper the sweeper which I thought that he, he snapped off a couple of really good ones. Um, like ones that like that just came right in and, and landed right on the outside corner, especially to like a left-handed uh, left-handed hitter. Um, and I, that was good to see. And so obviously he ends up going six and two thirds innings, which I don't even know how many times this year he's pitched that much in, in, in uh triple a I'd have to, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but he, um, it was really, uh, really impressive. Uh, first outing in the big leagues stream. yeah so i just pulled this up so the most that he had pitched in any game this season was against the rochester red wings on the 11th when he went six when he went six innings so going six and two-thirds in the big leagues was his longest outing at least of this year um prior to that the, he had only thrown he threw five and two-thirds innings second start of the year so up and down strange season for brandon walter um i think what he proved in that is that the Red Sox can probably rely on him to start? I don't know the the Red Sox right now. the The parent club have obviously some injuries in the starting rotation. It's been a big topic, big a big you know topic of concern. Of Chris Hale is out. May, maybe not, is not going to pitch again this year. Uh, Tanner Houck is is on the IL. Hopefully, he'll be back relatively soon. And that's not, wasn't, you know, an arm injury or a leg injury or anything like that. It was, you know, he got hit in the face with a line drive freak thing. Um, Hopefully he'll be fine. But they, and you know, James Paxton comes out of a start the other day with a, with a knee thing. Also, it sounds like he's fine um, and should make his next start, but it's a huge development for the Red Sox to have a guy like Walter who just, who went up and, and I know that the twins aren't necessarily like this, like world beating, like offense, like far from it actually but they were a big league lineup with big league hitters and he did really well in his big league debut. And that is uh, we've now seen that with Walt and technically both guys come out of the bullpen. We've now seen that with both Walter and Murphy and uh, Chris Murphy. So good sign for, for, uh, for Brandon Walter again, strange season up and down long stretches of, of really struggling in Worcester. Uh, But he came up and, and made his debut and, and did pretty well. So, Uh, Derek, what is your, what's your take on, on Brandon Walter right now?
2: I, I feel a lot better about Walter than I did heading into that outing and, and not like to say I was feeling necessarily bad about Walter. He was pitching better in AAA, but I think when you look at the overall picture of it, it was like, this had his struggles. Like it doesn't feel like the same Brandon Walter we saw in 2022 in double A before he got called up to AAA and then ultimately got injured. And then missed the rest of the year. Um, it didn't feel like the same Brandon Walts we saw in 2022 and 2023, but I think he kind of regained some of that 2022, uh, I guess, form, I guess, in in this appearance against the Twins. I mean, six and two-thirds innings, especially out of the bullpen, where in his one other bullpen appearance this year, he really struggled in AAA. So I think that was another thing. He came, came out of the bullpen and gave length to a Red Sox team that desperately needed it. Um, and overall pitch while well, limited hard contact and really did settle in in you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth innings of that outing. Um, so overall there's honestly, I mean, no real complaints about Walter's outing. Uh, and just, he was efficient too, pitch wise didn't, throw, he, I think it was what only ended up throwing like 90 pitches in six and two thirds. Uh, so it was really efficient with his pitches too. Um, which is a, which was really nice to see as well. Um, so overall being efficient, limiting hard contact, especially the later he got into the outing, he didn't only have two strikeouts and did walk, I think it was four guys, but three. at the end of the day or three guys. Um, but at the end of the day, the, uh, when it comes to, you know, the numbers and striking guys out for him, if he can limit the hard contact, the strikeout numbers aren't going to be, you don't have to yeah. worry about him trying to strike out 10 guys an outing. Yeah. Because if he's limiting hard contact, then, you know, guys aren't going to be hitting, you know, 400. Foot blast every single time they hit the ball because he's limiting hard contact, right? So I think that's the thing for him. Just if he continues to limit hard contact, get his strikeouts when he gets them, uh, but just not walk too many guys and just continue to be efficient. I think that's all you can really ask for him, uh, from him. And he did that really well against the Twins,
0: yeah. And uh, yeah, it's gonna, it could be as soon as this week that we see him again. Who knows? Um, I mean, they would, someone would have to go on the IL, I think, but and that is a possibility, but it's, but um, I just, yeah, I definitely don't think we've seen the last of him in the big leagues this year. Hunter, what's your Brandon Walter thought? Yeah,
1: uh, it was already kind of mentioned, but I think something that a couple of people harped on was the two strikeouts. But uh, as Derek was talking about, the he was just consistently getting weak contact, which was awesome to see. And I, uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me was the fact that he didn't melt down after having the rough start to the game, I think. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to give them any kind of credit, but and I have them muted anyway, but uh, someone sent me a tweet from another podcast uh, that was saying how, uh, oh, this is is one of the top-pitching prospects in baseball or in the Red Sox system. This is why we suck. Uh, And they were saying this, obviously, after his first two innings when he struggled. And uh, conveniently, they didn't tweet again for the rest of the game. Uh, but it was just it was great to see him, uh, you know, take it on the chin, take that rough start on the chin, and and just power through it and end up giving the Red Sox a chance to win, which is what you ask for from your starters. You you just ask them to go out there, and by the time they leave, your team is in a position to win the game. And he, he gave the Red Sox a chance. Um, and they're in this weird position right now with uh, especially like with Houck out and with Chris Sale out and now Paxton's got, got issues. Uh, hopefully everything's fine there, but, um, with the way the Red Sox luck has been the last year, you never know. Um, so they're in this weird position now where, uh, they have chances for these guys to get opportunities that we didn't know if they would get, uh, you know, with names like Chris Murphy and Brandon Walter who struggled in, in AAA this year, and it was like, all right, well, now maybe those those debuts that we thought would come, maybe they're going to get delayed because they're not performing in AAA. They've both gotten a chance, and they've both thrived in their in their chances in the majors. Uh, so it's something that I'm interested to see how how Walter does in his next start, which will probably be in AAA, or I should say in his next appearance. Um, but it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it uh, if he can if he can build off of it or if especially if he's back in triple a maybe they'll want him to work on something um but just he did just about everything you could ask for you can't get mad at uh, someone for that kind of performance especially in their first uh first appearance in the majors and for him to to bounce back and give the red sox a chance was awesome yeah um
0: again the the red sox have done a very good job with with uh their pitching prospects this year like a lot you know guys that have struggled at different points they have stuck with them and helped them help them through it um that is a great sign to see uh it's a sign of a healthy organization for sure um so speaking of that i'll just i'll use mine uh on the Woo Sox to talk about shane drohan so he only i think got through four innings yep. uh of his start the other day and it turned out, and so there was a, a, a real concern. He had gone out to warm up the next inning. He he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't seem like he was right. So the the trainer they took him out of the game. Yeah, he he went four innings against Lehigh Valley. Uh, that was that was on Sunday. Turns out that it was just cramps. Um, you know, I know that's kind of your neck of the woods, Hunter. So it seems like it's been it's been just a humid and really like not uh, ideal conditions to be outside. Um, but. But light, but you know, Johanna's is a, a you know went to college in Florida at least, so I think he's somewhat familiar with this. But um, so, no cause for concern there. He will make his next start, but yeah, he went four innings, uh, three hits, three walks, uh, and just one strikeout. He definitely is you know continuing to battle some command stuff in Worcester. Um, you know, twenty-seven walks in in thirty-nine innings. That's a pretty far cry from the nine only nine walks that he had in 34 innings um so things to work on but again very exciting for him that he's going to get to go to the futures game um and he's earned that he was so great um and we've seen you know i think he's had some bad luck in in worcester as well but um he is i think definitely is still the red sox best pitching prospect and um He's, he's earned this he's earned this the trip to go to Seattle and hopefully he'll get a chance to uh, show show more of what he can do against really uh, the, some of the best hitters uh, some of the best hitters that he will face this season um, Derek what's your what's your Worcester uh, take for this week
2: um, I'm gonna go back to the MLB depth I've done this a couple times in the last few weeks or so uh, talking a little bit about guys more of an MLB depth piece and a prospect. Um, this guy's definitely not a prospect, but he's definitely an MLB depth piece. And I think it is important to bring up, um, because with the amount of injuries that there have been at both the major league level and the AAA level, it's getting a little bit outrageous. Um, but Nico Goodrum won player of the week in the international league, uh, this past week, he went 10 for 21 with four doubles and one Homer seven walks to six strikeouts. Uh, also had two stolen bases. A guy who can play everywhere, switch hitter, definitely does have platoon splits. But at the same time, like, you're looking at a guy who has MLB experience, right? And I think for a Red Sox team that has their injuries and has had their injuries this year and the AAA team that has had their injuries, having a guy like Nico Goodrum in your system, it's, it's just very helpful, whether it's he's helping out in AAA, whether he eventually maybe ends up appearing in the big leagues. It definitely helps. I don't know if he maybe can play necessarily shortstop like he used to, um, but he can definitely at the very least play first, second, third, and corner outfield. Maybe not right field in Fenway. Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch now, but uh, definitely going to at least play. So he is very versatile. Um, So he's a nice guy to have in your organization. And I've said this before. I've talked about Goodrum once before as well here on on our minor league show. Like just, just a guy who, you know, you, it's very nice to have. He's a luxury to have on your AAA team, and especially when he's performing well, he's very nice to have. Um, yeah, maybe it's time in Big leagues this year, maybe not, who knows, uh, but injury insurance. And with the amount of injuries the Red Sox have had this year, um, it feels like every time one guy gets healthy, another guy goes down, and you just got to call someone up from AAA. Um, so having Nico Goodwin there, although they haven't called him yet, his chance could potentially come at some point, and he's been doing well recently.
0: Yeah, I think the issue with Goodrum and the reason why you probably haven't seen him yet is just because I don't think he can play shortstop at the big league level anymore. That's the biggest, uh, the biggest, the biggest issue. And you know, it seems like David Hamilton is going to get that shot in the short term for the Red Sox. Um, Hunter, what do you got for Worcester?
1: Uh, yeah, heading into uh, May fourth. Nick, Nick Sogard was slashing 208, 373, 283. He's been otherworldly since then. Uh, He's on a six game hitting streak right now. Uh, He's up to a 296, 393, 389 slash line. He hit his second homer of the year uh, on Sunday, which isn't a lot, but that's not really his, his thing. Um, He's got 11 doubles, one triple. He's driven in 27 runs, scored 35 more. He has 11 steals. He's a really good, uh, Just a really good he gets on base, 393 on base percentage is fantastic. He's got decent speed. Uh he he puts the bat on the ball, and uh he he plays very solid defense at a bunch of positions. Uh I don't know, I would say maybe third base is his best defensive position. I think he's got an underrated arm. Uh um, but he he can play all over the infield. He can he can get thrown into the outfield, I believe. Uh, but I, I think the main, uh, the main thing for him, you would probably argue is, uh, third base and second base. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's played second, third, short left and right this year. Uh, and he played center last year. So, uh, really just, he can, he can go wherever you need him to. And, uh, just kind of, I think he kind of flies under the radar. I don't know if it's got to do with the slow start. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that he's never really shown, a ton of power he hit 13 home runs in 2021 but he has 19 home runs in four seasons total in the minors so that was really kind of an outlier uh he had four last year but he's uh he's been consistently good for uh Worcester he got a a little bit of a chance last year he played 65 games there he hit 259 356 on base percentage and now he's uh improved from that pretty significantly this year and uh just he's been their best, most consistent hitter for the last two-plus months. Um, and I think that uh, he's someone that could kind of find his way into into the major leagues. He's not on the 40-man at the moment, I believe, so that adds a little bit of an issue. But he... Um, he uh, Gives you that versatility that that would maybe intrigue them. He can play shortstop if needed. Uh, yeah, he can play second, which has been an issue for them at points this year. Uh, and uh, he's a switch hitter, which I personally am a big fan of. I just love the fact that I think it kind of uh, even even if you don't have the best splits on one side, I know sometimes it works better. We talked about this before with like Cedric Mullins switch to just being a left handed hitter. And that worked out very well for him. Uh, but I do think it gives you that extra advantage of here's a guy that at least is going to see the ball from that certain angle. And this year he is uh, he's slashing three fifty six, four forty one, four fifty eight against left handed pitching, two seventy one, three seventy four, uh, three sixty one against right handed pitching. So there is a, a decent disparity, but also a two seventy one batting average is more than fine. He's he's very solid against both. Uh, so he's someone that I think uh could play himself into into a role if the Red Sox continue to have injury issues. And uh he's certainly performed well this year and I think he deserves a little bit more credit
2: for what he's done. Yeah. Or if, if they be... sell at the deadline and they need a bench guy. Yeah. I right.
0: definitely see that. He's you know it's like guys like him and you know you know Ryan Fitzgerald I think is, is injured right now. It's like these are the guys that have been feel like they've been hanging around triple A for a couple of years and you know, love to see those guys get a shot at some point so all right so we're gonna talk there's a few guys that i wanted to bring up that are in the fcl and dsl area for the minute or however long this is gonna go um first off congratulations to hunter people will hopefully stop asking about what's up with mikey romero <laughs> um, mikey romero did on friday finally get into game action after missing uh I guess all, almost three months, basically effectively three months of the regular season with what was a lingering back problem. Um, so he played on Friday. He only played the first five innings of the game. He, he went one for three, scored a run um, at, he played shortstop. And then Monday we're recording this Monday. He, he played again, went one for two. He played five innings at second base and came out of the game. So they're being very cautious with him. Um, I think obviously the next step for him is hopefully going to be, he plays an entire game um, and then he'll have to play sort of back, back to back days and that kind of thing and see how he reacts. So I don't know how quickly it's going to be before we see him in Salem, but hopefully it's relatively soon. Um, And I'm sure that he's, he's chomping at the bit to do that. Um, I wanted to mention Johan Fran Garcia. He won FCL player of the week. He is an intriguing catching prospect is a large dude. He is big. He is built. He looks like a catcher. Um, he hit two homers over the week in 12 games so far in FCL. He's at three, four, four, four three six 20. It's a small sample. He split his time evenly between catcher and DH seems to be mostly a timeshare with him and Brooks brand in there. Um, and uh, there are some very interesting catching prospects low in the minors. And, uh, Yoan Fran Garcia is maybe kind of at the top of that list. Um, so keep an eye on them. And then again, Yoel and is still crushing it in the DSL. 328, 359, 541 uh, in twenty in fourteen games. What impresses me about the numbers in the small sample is just a 12.5% strikeout rate so far. And he's playing a lot of shortstop. So uh, maybe, and again, we've talked about it before, maybe him in the US this year. Not positive. Do either of you guys have anybody uh, in uh, at those levels you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I just wanted to throw out uh, Jeremy Woo Yellen quick. He was yeah. fourth fourth round pick in twenty twenty, uh, and he's uh, he missed all of last year, uh, and he's he's working his way back. He's made two starts. Uh, first time out, one inning, no hits, no runs, one walk, no strikeouts. Uh, and then he pitched today, uh, and he went two innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Uh, he had a, a really solid first year in the minors in in uh, 2021. He had a 3.91 ERA in in 23 games, 76 innings, 203 batting average against, 90 strikeouts, uh, 42 walks. Uh, it was mainly in Single A with Salem. He did make three appearances with Greenville in High A, um, but just someone that I really liked when they when they drafted him uh, and. Obviously momentum has been derailed by injury, but it's nice to see him working his way back. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to see him in single A uh, sooner rather than later. I'm assuming he'll, he'll get the um, kind of the same treatment that Bradley Blaylock got where they just assign him to Salem because they can't technically give him a rehab assignment. Uh, And I mean, technically he's doing the rehab assignment now, but I still think they'll want him to, to pitch in Salem a little bit too and, and work his way back up to Greenville. Um, but he was a college pitcher. So he's someone that I could see uh, even with the injuries kind of moving, moving decently quickly.
0: Yeah. And I just, so <laughs> I just want to read a tweet from him this morning. Um, this is Monday. So he pitched today. He said, uh, so Jeremy's obviously he's a, he's a, he's a character. He says, my, my second day at college six years ago, I locked myself out of my dorm at 3 a.m. I'm pitching in my second game back from Tommy John surgery, and I locked myself out of my apartment <laughs> at 6 a.m. Life comes full circle, and I will be stupid forever. Um, you're not stupid, Jeremy. We love you. And our and our buddy Sammy James, uh, <laughs> he tweeted below him. He says, "Next time you'll lock yourself out at 9 a.m. Just keep trending up." <laughs> so when he makes his big league debut, he'll lock himself out at noon. Uh, but yeah, congrats to Jeremy Woo Yelland. Uh, and it would be amazing. You know, the the fact is is that the Red Sox very well only had if, if Wu will comes through and pitches as good as I think he is. And I think as we think he is, the Red Sox very easily could have the four guys that they drafted that year. Cause remember that was just a five round draft and they lost a pick from the whole like video scandal, whatever the, the watch thing, I think. Right. Um, they could all of those guys could end up being big leaguers. Three of them look like they probably they most they probably very well could be big leaguers. That would be a pretty amazing hit rate on a yeah. draft if, if that ends up happening. Between and basically the the first round pick that year was Nick York. They did not have a second round pick. They had they picked uh Jordan in the in the third Blades Jordan in the third round. They picked UL U, Wu Yelland in the fourth round, and Drohan was actually in the fifth round. Um so anyway. So uh, we don't do guess the prospect when I host. I don't know if Derek, if you had a guess the prospect ready to go or not. No, he, he's shaking.
2: No, the meatballs head. took up too much of my the time. Meatballs <laughs> took up too much of the time.
0: I hope that the I again the 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 meatballs uh, sound really good. And it makes me hungry. Although I did eat before uh, before as well. So um, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for for uh, listening to uh, episode 271 of the Pesky Report brought to you by Beyond the Monster. Um, we're gonna see you next week. Schedule. You know the the uh, interview. We also next week, draft. Did 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 you guys lose me? Do you hear me? I hear you now. Okay, was, great. All right, now there we go. Let's just end the show. Thanks for <laughs> watching. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, take care, everyone.